And welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy. And it's been a nerve-wracking week for me and many other Demon fans in anticipation of our upcoming preliminary final against the Cats. I was itching to take the field on the weekend or, at the very least, watch my team take the field during semi-finals week. Instead, the week off just made me all the more anxious for this coming game as we attempt to skin the Cats for the third time this season for our chance to earn a grand final berth for only the second time this century, or for the first time, depending on when you believe the century started. Joining me tonight, long-time Demonlander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Ben Man. Good evening, Demonlanders. And here we are again, only three days to go. Uh, so hopefully tonight we'll find out whether we are going to have more than three days beyond that. Uh, so let's find out. <coughs> Yeah, I don't know if uh, we're going to have the answers. Uh, we'd certainly, if it was up to us, we would have them. But uh, it's not up to us, but we'll discuss uh, everything we can uh, about it uh, and hopefully we can maybe come to some c- conclusions. Uh, also joining us tonight, B-Man. Good evening, B-Man. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. And good evening, Demon Landers. Uh, uh, exciting week, isn't it? A prelim final. Um, and uh, we're the best team in the AFL. Um, and... Yeah, I could not be more pumped for Friday night. I'm pumped, but as I mentioned in in the intro to the show, I've been so nervous this this past week that I don't think the word nervous quite illustrates the anxiety that I'm feeling going into this preliminary final against the Cats. Uh, They're a team that has been the cause of so many past scars that I have on my footy psyche. Uh, there's the 186, all the recent close matches that we've fallen short. Just the word cut in your parks and shivers down my spine. Um, and, and then there's, you know, my MFCSS, the Melbourne Football Club Supporters Syndrome, that veil of negativity that haunts uh, many Demon fans throughout the last 50 years plus. Uh, the MFCSS is a, is a bit of an impediment for me uh, and it effectively clouds all the positivity that I should have uh, after everything that I've seen on the field in 2021. I, I wish I had the confidence of a fresh off a three-peat Hawthorne fan going into this match, but unfortunately all I see is doom and gloom. And yes, that, that is a problem. I'm working on it. Um, but I do I do have periods where I can envision us in a grand final, heck, even winning one. Uh, but then the MFC SS blows in, fogging my mind like a dark cloud or a dark shroud. And, uh, well, you know where it goes from there with me. Uh, so from a personal perspective, how are you guys feeling in the lead up to the match, uh, uh, George? Um, <clears throat> I'm a little bit different to Andy, obviously. I don't have the same, the same problems. Um, <clears throat> I, I think to help Andy out, he's got to realise that the only teams that we've lost to this year uh, are 
bottom three or four sides, and there are none of those left in the uh, two two weeks remaining. So, so you should be a little bit more confident about that for a start. That doesn't help me. <laughs> it makes no, it worse. Okay, all right. Okay, <laughs> we'll try something more serious then. Um, I feel the same as before, simply because uh, we are the best side in the competition at the moment. We finished top of the ladder. Um, in a way, the the final is theirs is ours to lose. But just as equally, um, you've got to remember that certainly this year it's not like. 2000 and it's not like um, uh, uh, you know the Hawthorne three-peat years where they were far and beyond the best team in the competition bar none at least this year there's uh, the competition is there for the for the top four sides it's it's close it there's not going to be much difference between the two sides and I think it's important to remember um, to, to talking about the emotions around this Chris Scott in his uh, interview on AFL 360 said the, re- the real danger with and the real pity about something like uh, losing a preliminary final is that you're looking at another 12 months of hard work and expectations and everything that goes into it just to give yourself another chance. And um, I think I think that's critical that that's what the players need to, to realise. Um, Goodwin has said all during the season um, we've got uh, a finals winning game plan for the side and we've been implementing that and we're starting to see the results of it but just as equally he said how hard it is just to get to this point so you can understand the um, emotional side of it and the anxiety that that uh, people have around it but uh, we should be uh, very proud of where we've got so far but but the question is now, can we get that just that little bit further and beyond? Hey man, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, uh, look, I'm, I'll, I'm sure I'll be nervous on Friday. Um, and, you know, I think, I, yeah, I'm not quite sure about the narrative of ours to lose, and I'm sure the club aren't thinking that too. I'm not you know, piling into you there, George. But, the, you know, it's a... I, you know, we will deserve favourites going into this game. We're $1.50 with the bookies, which is remarkable, which is if you play that, you know, if you parlay that out into percentages, that's you play that game 100 um, times and we win 66 of them. Um, so, you know, that means that they can win 34 of them. Um, I think it's 30, 64 or something. So they can win 34 of them. So, uh, you know, um, so there's definitely, uh, you know, it's not a lay-down Mazaire and there's... You know, we're, we're coming up against a really strong team. Um, the difference for me, though, I mean, I probably sort of in the last, or all this year, I'd say I've been fairly confident right from the beginning of the year saying these first four games are critical. And when we got on our roll, um, you know, I've been confident all season. And um, But it's not, that's not my default position. I'm optimistic um, uh, fans. I always think we're a good chance of winning, but that's in the years where we've won two, three games a season. So um, <laughs> that's the sort of my starting point to deal with the angst of barracking for the Ds. But, you know, if I compare this year, the sort of comparative years are obviously 2018. Um, it was 2000, wasn't it, the, the previous one? Um, what, what was our previous finals? Before? Uh, 2006. No, 2006, um, if I compare them to even back to 87 and 88, um, in those periods when we're coming into finals in the 90s as well, um, there was never, I, I never went into any final series as a Melbourne fan with a huge degree of confidence that we would win a grand final. Um, and that, that's simply because we were never the best side in any of those years. You know, there's times when we've had a good shot at it and 
you know, but it's the feeling, just like 2018, we got on a, on a roll like, um, you know, the dogs had got on in 2016. So it was fresh in everyone's mind, particularly Melbourne fans. Maybe this was going to be our year. We had the momentum. We hit form at the right period of time. We had some tactical sort of advantages that we we'd brought in that I thought I thought caught teams on the hop. Um, but of course, we come a cropper into you know in the prelim. But it wasn't a shock, you know. As much, I mean, the performance was was awful when you and I were both there, Andy. But um, um, it was you know it wasn't that unexpected to lose. They went on to win the flag um, West Coast that year, so you know no shame to get beaten by them over there. The difference is this year is exactly as George has, has just said. We're the best team in the AFL. We've got a system that um, um, will hold up. Um, everyone's playing their role. I guess I'm really confident that the team won't leave anything out there. They'll bring their intensity. If we do get beaten, um, which you know, which can definitely happen, I'm prepared for that that sort of eventuality. Maybe um, it will be because the cats play out of their skin um, and. Um, perhaps, you know, we, we show some nerves. Um, but I think, you know, they've been incredibly mature this season. We'll talk about it, but there's messaging coming out of the club has been so consistent. Um, they're, they're, they're confident without being over the top. Um, it, I think that I'm confident that um, if we play our best football, we'll win this game. Cats will have to play an extraordinary game to beat us is, is my sense. And I've never come into a final series feeling that, or particularly a prelim. Uh, I can't recall ever. I'm not sure about you fellas, but I can never recall any of that time since I've barracked for the days where we've made the prelim, which is not very often um, with this sense of confidence and certainly not a dollar fifty favourite. No, because we've, we've always been the underdog. Uh, which I, which just for my own personal, I guess the MFCSS part of me likes being the underdog because that gives me the out if we lose that, oh, well, we weren't expected to win. That's why I think I'm so nervous now because we've got that weight of expectation on us. And I hate it when people are saying, oh, my mates, oh, it's Melbourne's to lose because they're piling on added pressure on to me that I don't need, yeah. I don't want. And I'm hoping the club, uh, the players, uh, aren't getting that on them. Um, and you're hopefully being in the hub, they're a bit insulated from all of that. But then again, with social media and, and all that these days, uh, you know, uh, things are, the world's a lot closer, even what though they're so far away. So yeah, that weight of expectation for me is probably making me a little bit nervous being the, being the favourite rather than being that underdog because that does give you a bit of an out uh, when you don't win. Um, I mean, as George said, when you're feeling that way, I think the record speaks for itself. I mean, we've won most of our big games this season. When we've been, you know, when our back's been against the wall and we've had to win um, games, we've, you know, the Brisbane game, obviously, the Geelong game round 23, the Anzac Day game, we were were down the first game against the Doggies. Um, When we've had big games... um, you know, we've stepped up, so they've handled the pressure. I, I think this team is in great sort of mental sort of um, space in terms of their preparation. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good thing to sort of hang your hat on. And, of course, it's, you know, all that said, on Friday I'll be beside myself. It's a long – it's going to be a long wait, isn't it, to 7.30, whatever it is, to that um, game start, 7.50. It certainly is. Uh, if you'd like to join us tonight, uh, you can do that a couple of ways. You can uh, give us a call, 03 9016 That's 03 9016 or you can Skype us, Demonland31. 
Uh, you can also join us in the chat room. Go head over to uh, demonland.com slash podcast. Uh, you can chat. You can make a comment. We might read it out um, or ask us a question. Um, how are you feeling, guys, about not being able to attend the games? I finally cancelled my airfare and accommodation that I'd booked to Perth about five weeks ago uh, in some crazy false hope in between lockdown five and six uh, when I sort of thought saw where the wind was blowing and there may not be finals uh, in Victoria. Um, I thought, well, I can I will try to get into West Australia. Anyway, not happening. I'm now resigned to the fact that I can't be there, whether it be for this preliminary final or possibly a grand final. How do, have, you, have you guys... Uh, made peace with that how, how does not being able to potentially see a premiership and i know i'm getting ahead of myself but but uh, that is an option that's out there that we could could miss how, how does that sort of sit with you uh from my perspective i mean i think I, i've it's obviously it's obviously you know far from ideal and um but i've i've come to terms with it i think as i flagged uh, a couple of weeks ago and i mean one thing that's helped for me um is that the cases, COVID cases, have kept on going up. So, you know, it's not even on the horizon at the moment going to the footy. And so in some respects, you know, seeing 44,000 people last week um, for the game at Optus Oval between the Giants and the Cats and in the knowledge that there's going to be a sellout for um, um, the prelim for us on Friday night and if we do make it through to the grand final, obviously for the grand final as well, you know, in, in a way... I think that's fantastic. You know, obviously I'd love to go. It's heartbreaking not um, being able to, but there's, you know, there's there's bigger fish to fry in that space, I guess, and we'll get we'll get another shot at it. I'm, I feel completely confident about that, that we'll, we'll be there and thereabouts in around the grand final conversation for the next four or five years. So, you know, next year could be even better for it. Um, but I, I've been thinking actually the last few days watching the um, – you know, the stuff from out of Western Australia, reading on Demonland, the WA fans getting tickets and, and the energy. You know, I've been really loving that stuff. And, um, you know, I'm thrilled for those people who, uh, you know, um, these fans who live in Western Australia. Good on them. You know, that's fantastic. Um, and the fact that this game, and if we do make it through the grand final, is going to be paid, you know, on a fantastic stadium in front of a full crowd, which just wouldn't have happened here. Um, it, I think it's, you know, leaving aside my own personal disappointment and, and you know, D's fans here and long-suffering D fans like you and I and George and, you know, all the posters on Demon Land and, and whatnot, um, it's really the stage that the team deserve. You know, they, they deserve a big stage, full crowd, um, and, and, you know, I've been increasingly thinking as it sort of COVID is impacting the country more and more is that it's remarkable that they're going to have that opportunity. Uh, um, we've got a caller on the line. Uh, caller, uh, who am I talking to? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is, oh, hello. Good evening. This is uh, Demon Trucker. I've uh, changed my name. I think I'm going to change my attitude. Been uh, standing quite a few times. I'm, I'm the Rodney Gritter of uh, Demonland, I think. Um, but anyway, um, what a great year we've had. And um, I reckon Melbourne's had a great year this year because all the all the whipping boys have had great years. Uh, all the whipping boys. Who, 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 are the, who are the whipping boys? Spargo, um, Neil Bullen. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the whipping boys. They've all had good years. Um, all the, they're all the players that everybody wrote off 
you know, Spargo, uh, slow, uh, too short, can't kick more than two metres, you know, and um, he actually kicked a long goal the other night, and I think he's, he's done that quite a few times, so he's proven that uh, he can kick long, and he actually is quick, I don't think he's slow at all, and um, yeah, so all the whipping boys have um, done well, oh, and Jack Viney, Jack Viney, I think he's come back, since he's come back from his foot, I think... Um, He's become more measured with his uh, disposals inside 50, and he's hit, he's actually hit targets inside 50 uh, at least at least a couple of times a game where I don't think he used to do that. So that's another whipping boy that's in, it's improved his uh, inside 50 count, uh, kicking it inside 50. And um, yeah, Brayshaw's been pretty good on the wing there. He's uh, made it his own. He's another whipping boy that um, gets quite a bit of uh, whipping whipping, but he's done his um, bit. Uh, bit, uh, bit for the team. So yeah, that's, yeah. You have to. I have to agree. I might uh, let you go there, Demon Truck. Are you uh, driving at the moment? Because I can hear a lot of uh, wind in the background. Yes, that's that's why I'm the Demon Trucker. I drive to and fro from Adelaide to Melbourne. Well, I was really thinking hard. I was really thinking hard of uh, staying at Adelaide this uh, this weekend and quarantine there for two weeks. And then so I could go to the grand final, but uh, I have to keep on working. But yeah, anyway, so fair that's enough. my course. So, so good. Yeah, well, good well, luck I, then. I, and uh, go D's. Go D's, no problem. Th- thank you, Demon Trucker. Demon Trucker. Demon Trucker. Sounded like he was in a wind tunnel uh, <laughs> there. Uh, should, but of uh, course, he, was, he wasn't driving. Uh, and, uh, and, and talking to us? <laughs> no, well, you can. He was, uh, if he's hands free, that that that's all right, um, as long as he's doing it safely. Um, uh, George, I might ask you, uh, how are you feeling not being able to go? I, I think all my feelings are the same as Bin Man's and yours, and every other Demon fan here sitting in Melbourne. Um, we're all resigned to the reality of the situation at the moment. There is absolutely nothing like going to the MCG in September and uh, the excitement of it and the crowd noise. We, we saw a little bit of it in 2018 when the uh, G was full of Melbourne supporters and um, to miss out on that um, wonderful experience this year is hard to take, but I'm also in the same boat as Bin Man. I think we will have more than uh, a number of opportunities over the coming years as well to uh, actually be there when something very special is happening. So um, at the moment, we're glad that we can sit and watch it and let's hope that we are watching something special take place for us and and our thinking that if again like there's a lot of cart and horses here and, uh, yeah. um, if we were to go through and win a grand final um and looking forward to next year when we're getting up to you know i guess 80 percent nationally and in victoria double dosed and all of that stuff when we when we can you know we'll be able to go back to the 40 hopefully next year you know um, unless there's something sort of massive curveball but you know of course that could happen is it would be great for the club to do something like you know put on an event at a i don't know a cinema or something and replay it and um you know maybe that's an opportunity to get that sort of energy and then you know i think that sort of the that might make next season even more sort of special in a way so um i think the other practical thing apart from those feelings um is the uh you know as i've said a number of times over the last few weeks that things the cards have fallen our way very well we've had a lot of luck and i and i think there's you know you could put forward an argument if we if we were to go through and win the flag this year 
that, you know, when a, when the sort of history books are written on this, there might be an argument to say that we wouldn't have won it if it was in Melbourne um, because of the intensity and the pressure. And, I mean, as George notes, in 2018, Melbourne was going nuts. I mean, the town Melbourne was going nuts for Melbourne. You know, it was 80,000, 90,000 people at that Geelong and Hawthorne game. It was bananas, wasn't it? So, mm. you know, that might have been hard for the uh, players to um, cope with all of that sort of, you know, that sort of for Gazi. Um, so, yeah, who knows? So, uh, and what about you, Andy? What's your sense of it? Uh, in terms of um, whether I've made peace with it or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I have. I mean, obviously there's nothing... Nothing we can do. I can't change the situation, the COVID situation. Um, I'm. I've been. In, I've actually really enjoyed watching the games on, on TV. Um, I've got a bit of a routine. I watch it by myself. Um, I, I've. Um, I, I prepare myself a little meal for the start of the game, and I've, I've just got. A, I've just got a little. Uh, that little routine that I now do every week. So I'm. And uh, the other week. Uh, my, my my brother-in-law, who's a Geelong supporter, he said, oh, why don't you come over and watch it? I said, well, first of all, we're not allowed to do that, but no, <laughs> I'm not changing anything, <laughs> any routine, at least of all going and watching it with a couple of Geelong supporters. I think that would be the worst thing, despite the fact not being, uh, uh, yeah. the, uh, being con- uh, you know, against health advice. Um, uh, yeah, no, not happening. It's funny you should say that because... I've actually also come to terms with not watching it with my um, um, best mates who are Melbourne fans. Um, and um, so whilst that, you know, that will be strange for me, I'll, I'm actually, I'll watch the game on Friday by myself and I'll probably, to be honest, you know, make it, I'll watch the game, the grand final if we were to get through to it, <laughs> asterisk, um, by myself as well. So, you know, I think that uh, I've, quite used to watching it by myself and um, you know, and quite enjoyed. I, I like going to the footy by myself too for the same reason. So, Yeah, so look, it's uh, it's the way it is um, and that's the way it is. What, what can I, I can't change it. And, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Hopefully, that you know, look, there's a lot of order to go under a bridge, but if we do happen to, to take out the whole thing, uh, then I'd love for the club to do something uh, for the supporters uh, once we can do something in a in a safe way and once things open up. Um, in the chat room, I just let me just go back to the chat room. Dion Fart said the club are doing a fantastic job engaging fans and keeping them involved in the lead-up. Um and that segues perfectly into the next thing that we wanted to talk about because I reckon the, he's right, the club has, has been very good in providing a snapshot of the team whilst they're in their Western Australian hub. Uh, we're getting good insight and good vision uh, into the hub, the hub setup, the hub life of the players, their training, etc. cetera. Uh, what have you guys gleaned from what you've seen on social media and through the website, George? Um, I think it's been fantastic what the club has been doing and it's just enabled the, those um, supporters back here in Melbourne to have some connection uh, in the lead up to this game and I'm sure if we're successful they'll be doing even more next week. Um, but but it has been fantastic um, listening to the preparation and even those short clips about the training um, with the Bulls. Um, uh, I think that's been fantastic to just to watch. Um, I think the hub life will actually... Uh, again, as, as Binman said, we've had that just those little bits of luck and things like that. Um, we've been in the hub already f- um, for this week. At the end of this game, 
if we're successful, we come out of hub. Mm. Um, whereas the other team, uh, whoever it is, dogs or port, they've got another week uh, inside hub before they appear at the grand final. So our guys will be able to go out and do what they want. Uh, they'll actually be able to go to um, training facilities at, at their whim. Yeah. Um, whereas, whereas the opposition team won't be able to, they they'll have to be bused to a facility or bus back or something like that. Whereas we can do what we want. So again, just just those little little pluses here and there. Will it make all that difference? I don't know, but um, uh, it does. It is nice to have that little bit of luck, and it shows the preparation that the club put into selecting where they wanted to come post the um, first finals game. You know, there, there was the option of going up to Brisbane or Gold Coast or something like that, or even to Port Adelaide. But, um, yeah, get it over to Perth and, and play is, is what we needed to do, and it's I think it's going to pay off. I've been critical in the past about their, uh, the club's comms in terms of, I guess, engagement for fans, but... Um, to credit where it's due, that they've been brilliant, um, you know, for the last few months. But they've really ramped it up um, uh, in the last couple of weeks. In from, based in Perth, which obviously must have its um, serious challenges, given you know they're in a, a much smaller space than I'd thought. You know, because I've, I googled the the resort; it's got a beautiful big golf course, and you know, it's quite a big sort of facility. But what I didn't realise until I heard one of the players talk about it is that they're actually fenced off and they can't play on the golf course and they so they've got the pool and they've been you will have heard them talk about goody doing 500 laps or something of the, the car park, um, car park yeah. because you know that's how small it is so i think that um i listened to um of one of the many videos that, that's been terrific but um uh, christian salem interviewed and it was asked about um the you know how it is with um, the other players and it was quite phlegmatic. It's like I think you said something like it was a you know it can be a bit overwhelming or, or something like that. So you know, <laughs> I reckon he's getting a bit jack of you know. So I think they are pretty on top of each other. Maxie was saying much the same thing on RSN this morning, um, and so you know, it's spot on, George. If, if we win this week, they um, can do what they want. They just like Perth residents after that, which means that they'll be able to get out and, you know, go train. They've been training on Perth's, West Perth's home ground, but they'll be able to go train wherever. I think they've also been training in Eagles facility, so they must have been bus there. But, um, you know, I think the club's done great with the videos. There's been some really interesting ones, actually. The, uh, the short clip of them training was really interesting. There's a short clip of the Friday... Uh, last Friday's um, sort of team or match that they played, two 20-minute quarters, um, which was was really interesting, I thought. Um, you know, they've made players and uh, coaches and uh, really available, so there's heaps of content. There was a really interesting um, uh, media conference with Jack Viney today, of, you know, Gorney, of course. Um, they did a thing for the junior members with the Zoom, 100-odd, um, 150-kids come on and ask questions um, of the players. So, yeah, I, I think they're, they're doing some really terrific things and they're really trying to work hard, by, from what I gather, to engage with Western Australian um, potential fans. The a thing where Melbourne, you can represent a Melbourne fan by getting a badge um, with their name on it. Yeah, so they're going to have they're going to have all the members' names on a badge that uh, as people are walking into the ground, I'm not sure whereabouts this is going to be located, but they'll, you'll be able to pull up you know, pick off the wall uh, a name. And yeah. I, I was thinking of uh, maybe putting something on Twitter or Facebook saying that if uh, anyone finds 
my name on there and I'll give them my first name and they, they can, if they find an Andrew up there and get it to me and it's my last name as well, I'll uh, make a donation or buy their membership next year because <laughs> right. I'd love to have my name on a demon's badge. Um, and they're giving scarves away for that. So they're really, you know, I think they're, they've done it really cleverly and giving away chips. That's <laughs> like I think they did that in Adelaide as well. So, um, you know, that I think that shows, one, their commitment. They, and if you hear the, the, the players talk, they, they constantly reference the Melbourne fans. Um, so I think it's, and the fact that it's a mutual journey. So I, I think, one, that's really, it seems really genuine. So it doesn't seem forced. Two, it's, it's smart by the club. So it really tells me, you know, um, that they're, they've got their stuff together. And, and to be honest, it suggests to me that sort of, you know, Pert's really on the ball and, and doing good work because that's the sort of leadership that starts at the top. Yeah, that, that would be coming from him, I, I would say. And we've actually signed up, uh, I think, about 500 extra members uh, since the, the 31st of July. I suspect a lot of those have been people um, taking up grand final guarantees uh, over in Western Australia so they can get the uh, priorities and in the ticketing. Well, and, and that's no small thing, is it, George? No, because the no. grand final guarantee is quite an expensive membership, isn't yeah, it? It's 500 plus, so yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's how many did you say? Uh, there's... A uh, quarter of a million, no. Well, yeah. then they might not all be guaranteed grand final yeah, ones. Yeah, but yeah. But we've cer- certainly put up about 500 members since the end of July. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really uh, – and, George, do you know if – or, Andy, do you know if um, – what the deal is with the crowd? Like, it's our home game, presumably, the prelim. Yeah, but do I don't you, think in don't finals get, you don't get the majority. Right, I think that it's goes an even, the It's a, yeah. an even distribution. Um, but but I, I would s- – I did, I'm basing this on nothing, but I, I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty sure that a lot of West Coast and Dockers fans or the West Australian crowd, I reckon they'll get on on the D train. Yeah, the D train. Well, the other interesting thing, and it's a great um, bit of synergy, is that um, Jundalop is West Perth, and West Perth are the Demons. They've got the same. Um, um, theme song. We got the, it's the same um, club song, blue and red as well. Um, so um, you know, there's an obvious synergy there. So I heard um, or read the president of the Junior Op Footy Club or, or West Perth maybe saying, "Yeah, we're on board. We're on board the D train." What we need to know, Andy, is um, whether all those West Coast supporters and Fremantle supporters will be booing at the right time. <laughs> well, it's yeah. funny because I noticed in the uh, at the early on in the Geelong GWS game, there seemed to be a lot of booing for both, like against both teams. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh my god, the West Coast supporters are just—they want to get their booing out of the way. Uh, well, but I don't uh, want to insult uh, West Coast supporters because I want them to be on, <laughs> on our back. And that's a bit what I mean about the. Um about the fact that there's going to be a big crowd, um, you know, even better than last year in terms of Brisbane. And, you know, I think, you know, leaving our disappointment aside of not seeing it, you know, isn't it great for the players to know that they're playing in a big game on Friday night in front of a sold-out 60,000 people who will be going, you know, who are going along because they obviously huge footy fans over there for it to sell out. But, you know, it, it's been great reading on Demonland, the thread, the Melbourne, about this um, this game, about how many people are saying, I'm, you know, I'm here, I've got my 12 
Frio Dockers and West Coast fans come along with me and they're going to be D's for the night. And obviously there's D's fans over there that post regularly on Demonland. And, yeah, it's, that's, that's fantastic. I'm in a WhatsApp group with um, with D supporters yeah. that I sort of went to school with and uh, you know, friends and friends of friends and stuff like that. One of them is uh, from Melbourne, but now based in Perth so, and a D supporter. So he's going, he's going to the footy this week, and he's got eight people going with him uh, that aren't D supporters, but are all on the D uh, train. So uh, it's fantastic to hear stories like that. Demonland this week, we've had so many um, new. Uh, people sign up who all have uh, IP addresses based in Perth. So I don't know if they're uh, Demon supporters looking for tickets or West Coast <laughs> slash Dockers supporters <laughs> trying to look for tickets or not. But, uh, yeah, get on board uh, more than right. Maria. And if you are a D supporter from Perth and you're just getting on this week, stay on Demon Land and chat with other D supporters. Don't just come on for, for tickets. And the club, that was, wasn't it great, the club putting out an email to members to say feel free to share your barcodes? And what's the deal with uh, grand final, guarantee grand final tickets? Because I believe you can't share that. Does anyone yeah, know? Well, that was, I think they were talking specifically. Well, yeah, yeah, they were talking about the, but yeah, yeah, so, the um, prelim. But yeah. We'll find out this week. Yeah, I guess, yeah. With Gibroni in the chat rooms, uh, I'm not jealous at all. Um, we'll be travelling from Adelaide leaving Thursday and can't wait. Um, you go Gibroni, that's, that's fantastic. So it's... Um, you people with driving. I wonder if he's driving. That's, I that's don't know. Fair. He'll get there. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe he'll be um, in the cabin with Demon Trucker. <laughs> yeah. All these people with freedoms rubbing at our noses in it. <sighs> yeah. What? Just just on the crowd, I, I was I was watching the interview with Stephen May earlier on in the week, and uh, we talked about people like Bowie and Rivers, and uh, you know who haven't played in finals before and in their first season and all that sort of thing, and Jackson. But Stephen May, that was his first final um, yeah. last week. And you know, to, now to be able to play in front of 60,000 people, you know, that must be a great experience, not just for these young blokes, but even someone like Stephen after 11 years in the system. And particularly um, because that's why he came to the club yeah. you know, for exactly this experience to play in finals and regularly. And, um, yeah, that, it's, it's terrific he's going to have that opportunity. Um, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, before we go into uh, previewing our upcoming match and our opponents, uh, what did you guys make of the semi-finals from this past weekend? I thought that they were diametrically opposed in terms of spectacle for me. The Geelong GWS game was a bit of a snooze fest marred by some poor skills. It got a little bit exciting early in the last one. It looked like maybe GWS would get a run on over the aging cats, but that was short-lived. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there was the excitement of the Bulldogs-Lion game, Lions game that had me on the edge of my seat. And despite me not having a dog in the fight, uh, pardon that uh, bad pun, uh, my, my heart was pounding in the last few minutes. But that could have been uh, because of my outrage at the unfairness of the adjudication of games involving the Bulldogs, which invariably seemed to lean heavily towards the Bulldogs who have an almost 90-plus free kicks this year, which is 100 more free kicks this year than the Demons. Um, what did you guys think of the semis? Did the results go as expected and or the way you wanted them to go, George? Um, I think the Geelong GWS game went as expected simply because GWS are missing half their side. <laughs> yeah. um, and particularly, uh, mainly, they didn't have any forward line whatsoever. Um, yeah. 
no um, Toby Ooh. Green, no Finn Lason there. So you got to keep going. Hogan on the like yeah on the on the night before the game. Yeah, so I think that was a fait accompli, which um, I think played into Geelong's. Uh, game style as well, you know that uh, GWS weren't able to run it fast and hard like that, like they and use their skills. Um, yeah, that suited Geelong uh, pretty well. Brisbane Bulldogs, um, yeah, it was it was a disappointing game for, for me in in one aspect in that um, there was a lot of errors in that game and a lot of opportunities from both sides that just weren't taken. And I, I think you'll find. Did, uh, I, I think you'll find whether Bulldogs or whether Brisbane got through to the next round, I don't think they'll go very far against Port. Um, they they just, neither side has the potency to be able to overcome Port. Uh, the Dogs uh, were very, very lucky. There was some appalling uh, tactical moves by Brisbane, particularly in the last, in the last minute. Um, I, I simply cannot understand, for example, there was 30 seconds to go. Um, there was the throw in from the boundary in we've Brisbane. seen that we've seen yeah. that for us <laughs> yeah we've seen it for us exactly the same circumstances against Adelaide McInerney at least hit the ball forward and he hit it straight into Caleb Daniel's arms and Caleb <laughs> Daniel did not have a single player standing on him um, all it needed was one Brisbane player to just knock the ball over the back and would have gone through the points um, different result for the game Um so yeah, I, I don't think either either of those two sides will go very far at all, and I think Geelong was lucky to um, come up against a very injured GWS. It was an average game that one, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and it was interesting seeing you know that they sort of radically are coming in. Um, Tizzy's got pumped up for five possession games, <laughs> um, but Davis. It came in for um, um, Hogan, and Davis looked like he could. He could he barely amateur level in terms of his mobility. I mean, he's not been playing, and I didn't. He's not been injured, has he? Like, uh, I thought, no, um, I think he. I think he got injured about four or five rounds out ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, he just didn't look. No. I hate to say this, this is sort of, but he didn't look AFL standard. He no. couldn't like. He looked liability, um, and I guess it's a function of really. I mean, they've. I thought they were incredible this year, Giants. Um, I, I really admired the the way they um, went about this season, but you know, as soon as Hogan, I mean, they had they had no chance anyway. That sort of the record of qualifying finals uh, losers um, is overwhelming. So even from that perspective, Geelong were um, you know were raging favourites for that. I did have a dog in the fight in the other game, Andy. I had a pretty solid bet on Brisbane Lions <laughs> to make that line, um, and they should have easily made that line. Um, they threw that game away. Um, if I was a Lions fan, I'd be furious, um, leaving aside the umpiring decisions. Um, their inside 50 entries were, were horrible. Um, and there was some, in addition to George's point about, you know, why wasn't someone on Daniels who did proceed to get given a deliberate against him off that, that exact play, I think. Um, leaving that aside, the a couple of um, shots of goal by Zorko were, were, very, were really, really selfish bits of footy uh, and stupid too. Like he, he took, um, he, you know, he, both times he should have centred the ball when he was going for the points or going for glory. Um, and there was another strange bit where 
Um, I'm not sure. Neil should have immediately given the ball and run away from the scene to Cameron when that out of on the full was was there. And you know, Cameron is he eats them for breakfast. Those ones around the body from 40 metres out on the boundary line. Um, and you know, I thought that was pretty poor as well. Um, but the umpiring was was appalling, and because I did have the bet on it, I was, I was attuned to every error. And the one in the middle, uh, when the fella, when the dogs player dragged it in, that was holding the ball every day of the week, um, and that was a critical. Again, just like we talked about a number of times through this season, that non-decision, and he was right there. That I forget that I always forget that umpire's name, the blonde fella. Um, it was Williamson. Williams, a gutless decision that was so there and they would have kicked it long inside their 50. Um, and it came only two minutes or 90 seconds after Neil had been given a free kick against him standing up. He stood up yeah, with the ball. It's like yeah. unbelievable. Um, and so, what Neil had no other options. His other option was to bang it out and get a deliberate free kick. Yeah, that was that was remarkable, and not the. That's the one I think. I remember George, you know, when we last got really upset about this from the Adelaide um, game, when he just I think, was it the same. It wasn't him that day, was it? The one with the not he didn't pay the um, um, the out of the deliberate. I can't remember that one. Sorry, um, I can't remember. was yeah. the, as you pointed out at that time, George. You've got to have the courage to make that call. That's the yeah. it, like it's right there. I don't care how many free. I, I really dislike this notion that they put away the whistle. That just just drives me spare. If the free kick is there, you pay the free kick. That's what your job is. Um, and again, you know, I don't blame the umpires. I blame the AFL for not investing in this. Um, but that simply had to be a free kick. Um, and and it was critical that it wasn't. And then I, there was later there was a free kick that English ended up getting, um, which they drove forward to get the the goal the, that um, put them ahead. Yeah, when they claimed McInerney blocked him in the ruck, it was a, <laughs> a ball up in the middle. <laughs> oh, where's the, I mean, Maddie, I've heard Maddie some. Like, yeah, I've heard someone, one of the commentators, saying that was there, but no, nah, nah, you know, that was a rough decision. I thought. Yeah, McInerney stopped stopped in his tracks because the ball was over his head. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about the Lions that I'd be furious at, I'd just be totally white with anger, is Danaher. He was yeah. appalling. Like, he yeah. was appalling. Like, his efforts for a must-win game, I saw some footage of him, um, you know, I think on maybe on the couch, um, and his lack of intensity at the contest at, and not bringing the ball to ground, he, he wouldn't get a game at the um, Melbourne Footy Club. There's not yeah. a chance he'd, get, yeah. he'd be in our team. And I'm amazed, I guess they had to play him. I'm amazed a coach like Fagan, who's, you know, um, so focused on the contest, you know, allows him, to, picks him each week. Well, they've got no forwards left. McStay's out, uh, Hipwood's out. Uh, they yeah, I mean, to... he's been picked all season, though, and he was well, close against Melbourne as well. He's he's hung his hat and he's he's got a free pass all year because they keep banging on how he's kicked a goal in every game this year, with the exception of the Melbourne game. Um uh, and it was, I think, Darcy. It was Darcy commentating that game. He's just hopeless. And um, and he's on the board so, of the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. But he was saying how Danaher's, one of his strengths was how he gets up and down the ground. He's not fit. He's not yeah. AFL fit. So I, I, I'd be really, it, that was a bad loss by Brisbane. Um, again, the qualifying final loser has got a, a um, brilliant record in the a semi. Uh, and um, they should, at home, you know, they should have won that game. They had the chance to put them away um, in that third quarter. Um, they had all the momentum. They just wasted their inside field. I think they had 12 
more inside 50s or something. I think um, they had more than that, but yeah, it was something around there. That was a game they should have won. And now they've lost Neil. God, what a sort of what a few days for the Brisbane Footy Club, huh? Yeah. That is. Um, let's focus on, on the Cats. Let's go over to our opposition. Um, uh, cats, their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and anything, was there anything that can be taken out of their match against the Giants when, uh, when, when sort of looking at those uh, strengths and weaknesses? Uh, Big man, you're going to take the Cats. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of a contradiction for me, the Cats, in terms of their strengths and their weaknesses are so close for, for me. And, um, you know, I think they're just focusing on their strengths is that they've got an they've got excellent footballers right through. Um, I think that, you know, Dangerfield's a star, Selwood's a star, leaving aside that, you know, they're, they're, they're closer to the end of their career than the beginning of their career. Um, you know, Hawkins is a star. Um, Cameron's a star. Um, I, uh, uh, what's the, is it, um, what's the big mid, 23? I forget his name. He's a brilliant kick. Um, Tui's a star. Um, uh, you know, they've got good kicks, good solid footballers, um, and you credit where it's due. They've, you know, they're regardless of the fact their finals record isn't great um, in the last ten years. Their um, their ability to get to finals is is really is um, amazing in the modern era. Uh, how successful they've been uh, under um, under Scott. Um, I think that you know their strength is in the contest. Those sort of older players, whilst they might run out of legs a little bit, um, you know that might be again. That's that that's sort of the how close their weaknesses and strengths are together. In finals and pressure moments, the ability to keep in the tackle and to walk through tackles and to not be brought down and to be able to move the ball out of the contest um, is a huge benefit and, and I think a huge factor in why they're so successful when they're um, home and away because they come up against teams that they can't control. They've got a game plan that they know very well, so that's a strength. Um, the you know, So I, I think... You know, their experience, so they've, I think they're the most, well, certainly the most experienced of the four teams left uh, in the finals. They've got 11 players or something who have played um, uh, more than 10 finals, I think, something like that. Um, so, you know, they've got a lot of pluses. The ace in the pack, I guess, is, or well, their two major strengths are their forward line. Um, you know, Hawkins is arguably the best, probably, you know, forward in the AFL, probably not arguably. Most most would agree with that. Cameron's um, an out-and-out star. So that's, that's a huge tick for them in terms of the strength. I think the other strength they have is they're a really good contest. I'm not sure their post-clearance numbers, but I've got a feeling they're, they're really high. Um, one of often one of the other strengths they're often talked about is their um, um, the fact that they're good defensively. Um, and so I had a look at their numbers uh, and they average 63 points against so that it's not far off us. So from a defensive perspective, that's you know that would back that up. But if you dig a bit deeper, it's actually I was really surprised is that um, that you know part of that well one of the factors for that is that because they control the ball um, so so much because they keep possession of it that means all of their games are lower scores. So there's a, that's a big factor in 
that the, their ability to keep sides to low scores is the fact that they've got the footy a fair chunk of the time. So I think you know fifty three percent, as opposed to sort of AFL average of around forty nine percent, they maintain possession, which is huge, really. So I think that's a big factor. The thing that really surprised me was that they're last um, on the AFL for um, turnover marks, um, and they're always lauded so uh, for their ability to mark in the back half, and that's with Stewart in the side. Well, I was going to say that. <laughs> Take Stewart out of there, and uh... that's take Stewart out of there. So I was I was um, gobsmacked when I read that because you know that really sorts of suggests that their defence two things their defence isn't as good as um, as the numbers sixty three you know average against would would indicate, uh, and two it means that um, that they don't rebound from the back half, and so they're fifteenth or sixteenth in the AFL in um, scores from rebounding from the back their back 50. Um, and it means they struggle to transition the ball. Um, so that, that's a huge, that's why I mean that sort of balance between strengths and weaknesses. And, and I think that's a huge weakness for them. Um, so, uh, you know, I think for, for them, they've got to catch 22 because they're, they're sort of, what do they do? Their, their strength from their perspective is they control the ball movement um, and, and keep possession. But that plays into our hands in, on two fronts. One, one it, by playing slow, it allows us to set up our defensive zone and, and we've got the best defensive zone in the AFL. Um, and that, you know, they're not making, they're not marking the ball as much as I thought. They're not transitioning it from the back half. That slow movement makes it even harder for them to transition it. So it's also, I think, as we've talked about, it's a major weakness in high-intense finals, as we've shown in that. I rewatched the last quarter just before um, the show. And that pressure that we bring on that, that player makes it really hard for them to move it. So there was one play in that last quarter where... They chipped it around in the back half and we ended up pushing them deeper and deeper and Smith ended up having to kick it from about 20 metres from their goal, went out on the boundary line on the wing and then we brought it back in and, and we kicked a goal. So that's a that's a real weakness. So for me, for them to beat us, they sort of got to play fast But um, and, and they get their goals out of those clearances like they did in round 23. Um, so that's the blueprint almost, move it quick, get it into their forward line before we can set up our zone. And so, you know, as much as possible, create one-on-ones, get your gun forwards in a one-on-one position. That's their chance of, of beating us, I reckon. Um, but the sort of catch-22 that I was referring to is that by doing so, we're our most dangerous when the speed on the ball. So we want it fast. Um, if they play fast and we get our turnover game going, we move it super quick up the ground way before they can set up their own zone. Um, so they have, they can't set up their zone, we get through it, and that's our most sort of potent way we score. So they play fast, it plays into our hands. They play slow, it plays into our hands. Um, so, you know, it feels to me sort of my, the analogy I'll put on Demon Land was soccer teams that come up against, average soccer teams that come up against really good teams, you know, the way to go is to keep control of the ball, take the, suck the time out of the clock and go for a nil-nil draw, basically. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what do they do? Do they do that, try to make it a, a low-scoring game that, you know, that they win in a tight one and hope that our nerves get the better of us? Um, or do they try to take us on and move it quicker? They did in that, in the, Giants game, they definitely tried to move the ball quicker. Tui was definitely kicking it, uh, sorry, running, carrying more. Um, you know, they, they were definitely trying to get it going a bit quicker. But, you know, it's funny if they pick Rada Galea again, that's a really big forward line. And so, you know, that issue of them rebounding, you know, who, who's going to win their grand ball gets 
Parfit's out. Um, injured, you know, close is in there. He's a good player and they've got good mids. But who's going to get those ground balls? Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're a relatively slow team. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they do try to play quicker. Um, and they definitely did against the Giants. They're looking to run and carry more often, in particular, Tui. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those strengths and weaknesses are very similar. Just as a general thing, I think that of all of the teams in the AFL of the top six teams, they're the team that our game plan sets up best against because, um, you know, that slow play, just as I said, it creates a catch-22. The team that sort of most worries me uh, is sort of um, when they're on is the Bulldogs because we don't have quite the same answer for it tactically. But, you know, our model is kryptonite to their model. Um, what about the age of the Cats? When talking about the age of, uh, of Geelong, I did a quick deep dive on the age column of the player profiles and not surprisingly, it leans heavily on the 30-plus side of the ledger. If Sean Higgins comes in to replace Parfit this week, they'll be playing with 11 players over the age of 30. Um, they got uh, so 11 over 30, three 29-year-olds, a 28-year-old and a 27-year-old, nearly three-quarters of their list or their team sorry that's currently playing is over 27 years of age and I guess that can be a bit of a double-edged sword uh, with experience uh, over the aging legs uh, late game late in the game if we're playing a running game um, where how do you see their age um, as on the weakness strength spectrum I think it's that's sort of it's another example of what I mean about how the strengths and weaknesses are, are so aligned in some respects because that experience is definitely something um, that they've got in their back pocket over us. Um, though it's interesting if you hear the discussion from the, their players being interviewed and Scott, they're overplaying that hand a bit, I reckon. Um, and you know, it slightly. You know, maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it, but it feels to me that it actually demonstrates their nervousness. I think that, you know, I've got a good mate who's a Geelong fan and he reckons Melbourne's all, you know, we're the ones under pump, under pressure because of the weight of history and all of that. I'm saying to him, look, you know, I reckon where does this leave the Cats? If they lose this game, where does that leave their model? Where does this leave the list? So exactly as I say, they've got an ageing list. Duncan's a star. He's an absolute star. So, you know, so Selwood, so Dangerfield. They've got some excellent players, but they're all post-30. You know, it's both a strength um, and it's a weakness in the sense that, you know, on the big, you know, open ground of the Optus, what, what's it going to mean? They're, they're not running out games. The GWS were, as we talked about, were woeful, but there was about a five-minute period there. I thought they were going to, if they got a couple more goals, I, I, I thought Cats were starting to look a bit sort of tired. And as I said, I watched that round 23 last quarter again, just uh, earlier tonight, and they, were, they weren't even looking to score. They were just holding it up, holding it up. Um, and that's a, you know, so again, it's, I think, for me, it's a weakness come finals. And our energy um, and our intensity is, is is partly because we've got such young players. And I think it's, it's a strength for us and a weakness for them, to be honest. Uh, George, you've taken a look at, oh, before before that, we do have a, a caller on the line, a caller, um, I think we've got Terence. Terence, how are you going? I'm doing fine, Andy, and you? Oh, great, thank you. How are your nerves leading into this preliminary final? 
not too bad. I'm keeping them in check. I, I think I said last time we were talking that um, I'm just delighted that we're in the finals. And for me, I'm trying to work on the basis of let's just see how far we can go. I mean, we have a fantastic team and we have a fantastic future. So, sure, I mean, I want us to win this year, but um, I'm just going to be keen to see how well we go. I had a couple of questions for the guys, and if the connection's okay, I'd like to stay on to just hear the answer um, this sure. time. Sure. Um, so please forgive me. Uh, I was listening earlier today to um, to some commentators. I can't remember whether it was from earlier on in the week with um, Bartel or, or more recently um, when they were talking to Max, but there was um, some commentary around the way to beat uh, Melbourne is to do what GWS did earlier on in the year and also Hawthorne. Now, the part that I've been racking my brains for the last couple of minutes to try and remember is what it was about the GWS game and the Hawthorne game um, that, that basically was our undoing. So I don't know whether the three of you remember uh, what it was with those two games um, and how you would respond. I do remember uh, Terence. And how are you going, Terence? I'm doing well. Yeah. We have um, sunshine. I mean, we have sunshine, which is just so good, guys. I mean, Belgium is like Melbourne, four seasons in one day. The fact that we've got sunshine, sunshine today and I'm listening to you guys speak, nothing could be better. Fantastic. Uh, that, I heard that. I think I heard that um, it was um, Bartel on yesterday, perhaps. He was, I think they were talking about um, GWS brought an extra to the stoppage um, oh, and we didn't match it. And one of those players was Whitfield um, and and Hawks did something similar. They brought an extra to the stoppage and we didn't match it. Uh, I actually heard Rocket E say that that was potentially a tactical weakness for us. Would we be, do we have a plan B, which I thought was really curious given how successful we've been with our plan A. And he, he mentioned the same thing is that, you know, what, what did we do if Geelong bring us extra stoppage, which they have been doing against us. Um, so I'm not sure if he, he, he was aware of that. But uh, and that was the, um, you know, the suggestion that both Hawthorne and uh, Giants did that. And they also moved the ball by hand. Um, so sort of came into our forward line through chains and sort of the suggestion against GWS was that that brought our defenders up to them, forced them up to them. But... Um, you know, for me, from my perspective, both of those games were in that period when we were um, we were um, loading up on training. I mean, we talked about it at length at that time. Right. And for me, that was a bigger factor than what anything tactical either of those teams did. But that was that was the idea. They beat us at the stoppage um, and they got us on the outside with Whitfield and the Hawks similarly. Um, and from memory, Hawks were sort of lauded a little bit for bring the ball in scrappy to our forward line and negating the strength of Lever as, um, into their forward line and um, negating sort of our intercept marking and um, which to be honest is was talked about as a tactic that could be used to beat us but no one has successfully done that um, employed it since so and the other, well, the other thing I think is um, I don't so think George Geelong can employ those tactics against us I don't think they've got the, uh, the type of players in their forward line uh, that that were available to GWS at the time in particular, but also Hawthorne, the uh, outsiders that they had on on the pack. Geelong just Geelong are just missing those players to to be, and they'll have to change their tactics, which I don't think they're capable of doing. 
Yeah, uh, thank you, George. I mean, both those comments um, are really helpful to, to just put it into context. And then the other one was um, uh, with Selwood, okay? So, well, Selwood and Dangerfield to some degree. But, I mean, given potentially it's their last opportunity, um, whether, you know, someone like Selwood's willing to sacrifice his game to basically take, um, to take Clark out of it, I know people like Gary Lyons say, gee, Clary's just, um, you just can't, I'm sorry, I'm losing my words, but you just can't run with him um, in the same way or tag him. That's the word. You just can't tag him. Um, but I, I could imagine someone like Selwood being the kind of person that he is that, um, you know, he could, uh, he could create some problems for us. Do you guys see any real issues? I realise there's not much else other than Selwood and Dangerfield, but, um, but taking one of our guys out... George? Um, I don't think Selwood's capable of that anymore. Um, and uh, uh, two year, or at least 12 months ago, but certainly two years ago, we were talking about Clary um, not responding well to tags. He can handle tags very easily these days. He still gets 30 plus possessions and there's more and more damaging every week. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree, George. And the other thing I heard that, I heard a commentator saying that about, you know, could they use Selwood defensively? And for me, if they did that, it's a tacit admission that he's past his well past his best. You know, that'd yeah. be like saying, I mean, it's it's Selwood and Dangerfield versus Petrarca and Oliver. Do you think mm. that Melbourne are going to use either um, Petrarca and Oliver to tag an opposition player? No. You know, what what does that say? They're they're two they're gun midfielders. Uh, he looked, I thought, pretty slow in the GWS game. Um, so what he's a he's a fantastic player. He's a star. Um, what an incredible record! He, he's just broken the the Cats games record, and um, you know he's an inspirational leader. But he's he's lost that pace, hasn't he? And he's lost yeah. his ability to explode from um, out the front of stoppages the way both Petrarca and Oliver are. And I heard tonight Tomlinson um, on um, Fox, and he were, he called them an old old something or other. He, he sort of quickly caught himself, but he, he was trying to pay a compliment, but it was a backhanded compliment in the sense that <laughs> basically they're both two old buggers you know, against our two young bulls. <laughs> All right. Well, um the, the other thing, I think I was a little disappointed um, in the game with Geelong on um, last Friday, was it, when um, Selwood was, highlight uh, yeah, was highlighted in a particular incident and he was clearly throwing the ball, which I think he did about three or four times, but it was really obvious in the vision and I, I was just surprised that no one, um, none of the commentators picked that up. So I guess, I guess he's not allowed to do anything wrong. So that's just a statement and then... And uh, I was just going to finish by saying I know that you guys in Australia are really um, frustrated that you're not able to get to the game, but uh, but um, this is uh, this is fantastic for me being overseas and you know you're being able to get to the game. So so I really appreciate this. Although you can't get to the game, at least think of it in the context of all of the um, the demons um, diaspora around the world. You guys are just uh, from heaven, so thank you. Thank you, thank you, Terence. We appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you can call back next week and uh, and celebrate with us uh, in the next two weeks. <laughs> I like the sound of the demon diaspora. That's that's a good name for a record, I reckon. <laughs> it is, uh, George. You, you've taken a look at the uh, demons. Uh, where do our strengths and weaknesses uh, lie? Um, 
I'll just add some comments to what um, uh, Bin Man was saying about Geelong, and I think I, I utterly agree with him. Their strengths are also their weaknesses, and um, they've built up a game plan which is around those strengths of reliable, predictable entries into their target big forwards, um, but they're unable to change that. Um, I think they will, uh, and, and that, that game plan is based around Cardinia Park. Um, and I think the fact that while they've been in 11 of the past 15 preliminary finals, they've lost nine of them. Um, as soon as they move on to the bigger grounds, uh, when you need more run, those old legs just don't do what they used to do. Um, so I think they'll really struggle from the, from that perspective. And I don't think they've got any opportunity and they wouldn't be able to change their game plan um, that they've used successfully for the last 15 years. Um just for this game, and they'll need to to be able to beat us. Our strengths are exactly what um, we've been saying all season. We've got five All-Australian uh, players on that side. Uh, they've only got three, and while those th those three are, are great players in their own right, we've just got more of them. Um, the match will be very closely fought, as it has been and highlighted Um in the uh, I think there's been been some clips about you know four games decided by kicks after the f final siren in the last last four years or something like that. They've always been very close, and that's because we've got highly talented teams. They're top both top four teams. You're going to expect that. There's not going to be a blowout in this game. Um, it'll be a real knock them down, drag them out um, sort of uh, game. When you look through the through the um, through the side, everybody matches up so well on someone else. Yeah, you, know, you look at the Hawkins and Camerons for Geelong, and then you look at the Lever and Mays and Petties that we've got at the other end of the ground. Yeah, you know, um, Tui's down there, up, and uh, that loss of Stewart will be critical to them because I think they're going to run out of players down the back um, to to be able to. If T Mac plays a good game, I think they will really struggle down there. They've brought in Radicalia, and guess what they've done? They put him up the forward line. Um, uh, as Bin Man said, I, I don't know that that's, that's the right sort of decision. It makes them really slow up there. But when you look around the whole ground, um, there's matchups all around which, which are pretty much even, you know, the, even in the rucks to a certain extent. Um, the wings are um, evenly matched. The mids are evenly matched with great players on both sides. But when I looked around at it, I thought, do they have anyone who can match up on Pickett and Fritch? They're obviously going to put on someone like Buse and and Collar Jasney, but neither of them are are in the same ballpark. And I think what we'll, what we might find is that uh, Pickett will absolutely excel in this in this game because they just don't have anybody who's capable of going with him at all in the in the side. I think the other. Um, Big loss to them is Parfit more than what people realise. Parfit's in number four after uh, Selwood, Guth uh, Selwood, Dangerfield, and Guthrie. Parfit comes in this number four to be able to relieve so that Dangerfield can move down forward and hopefully kick a goal or something like that. But he's also their relief. Um, who do they bring in next? Well, they've got to move a Duncan or a, or a Menengola in there, but that means they've got to steal from somewhere else to be able to do it. Likewise, in the rucks, when Stanley goes off, they're going to have to pull Radicalia up forward, uh, sorry, into into the rucking contests. So that leaves them short again um, 
in terms of talent up the up the forward line. Although Radicalia didn't do anything, although he's pretty massive and pretty formidable um, in his own right, if he gets starts getting his hand on the ball. But I think they're going to be in the situation with uh, with Stewart missing, with Parfit missing that they're just going to be robbing Peter to pay Paul. And we're in the exact opposite situation. We've got four or five or six players who are knocking the door down, trying to get into the side because we've got basically a full list to choose from. So our, our fast ball movement will absolutely kill them. Um, if we adopt that play on tactic, if we adopt a, that high pressure game, pressure on the ball carrier, Tui got, um, excuse me, Tui got uh, an easy game last week because um, he was able to waltz out of the back line. Yeah. He won't get that opportunity this week to deliver the ball up the ground like he was. Uh, and as soon as you start denying him that chance of moving the ball slowly, methodically and consistently up the wings to get it into their forward line, they really struggle. And, and like Bin Man said, their stats aren't good when, they're, when they have to start kicking the ball sideways across the ground. The other thing that I think will be a big factor, we'll talk about it later on, is actually the size of the ground. Um, I've got some numbers on that, but we'll talk about that a bit further on. Just a, a couple of picking up a couple of your points there, George. The one with Radagalia was the player I was thinking of. Big body, uses the ball well generally. Um, Parfit is a massive out for them, a huge mm-hmm. out. And in fact, on the back of losing um, O'Connor, two of their younger players um, is huge because it sort of weight, you know. Duncan comes in for O'Connor. That's a you know, not a good um, sort of swap in terms of age profile. Um, he was a big out. Uh, uh, you know, he's a, also a player that they can tag. They haven't really got another tag outside O'Connor. So even if they do want to tag one of our mids, you know, who, who's going to do that job? Um, you know, they might maybe they'd sacrifice Guthrie, but without part, that's the problem of lose, of them losing Parfit because Parfit's our Viney. Um, he's the defensive mid who tackles hard, gets the hard ball, gets, um, gets it out to the outside players, to um, to the danger fields and to to Selwoods. I mean, so the both of them also good inside players too. But do you know what I mean? He's the he's the you know very much like the way even a Liberatore um, uh, plays. But um, he is he's also a good ball user. So and you know if they. They, Dalhouse seemingly is on the outer. Um, they're not really keen. That wouldn't seem on. Is it Cockatoo? What's is it the uh, the blonde fellow? What's his um, Nokia yeah. Cockatoo? Yeah, yeah. He's likely potentially to come in, but that you know that's really just indicative of the, exactly what you're saying, George, about their lack of small. You know what, what's going to happen without doubt? Who's going to pick up the ball? A ground ball gets with Radicalia up there with four tools. You know they're, they're going to struggle to keep it trapped in there, and therefore struggle to stop us waltzing it out of the def, um, defensive thing. So I think that's a huge out, and it's a really good point you make about um, Tui because Tui was uh, terrific uh, against the Giants, but just like he played a similar role to how Lions use Rich. Um, and just as you know, he, we put time into Rich and basically made him um, really, un- you know, we we took him out of the game, uh, and he's 
not great defensively, Rich. We'll do the same to Tui. Um, I mean, I, I really rate Tui, but we won't let him run out of the front of contests and run 20 metres and then release the ball, will we? And the, the other thing that we won't allow that um, GWS did is how often did they, even with Geelong's slow ball movement, they were able to engineer one-on-ones um, against us, uh, sorry, against the Giants. We won't allow that. We'll, we'll, our zone will mean that there'll be two-on-one. We won't allow those marks. We They... It's interesting, tact- uh, uh, statistically, they I think they're third or fourth in their AFL in terms of marks inside 50, and we're miles ahead of anyone else in terms of the, um, the, the numbers that we give up. Like, we give up fewer by a huge factor. I forget what the number is um, um, in terms. So, you know, those, again, our strength negates, you know, their strength. It, it works super well. So, um you know, I think that their their challenges is is scoring enough to beat us, really. I think Narkel was the Quinton Narkel was the player. Yeah, yeah, Quinton Narkel is who, who I'm thinking. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking that who needs the confidence of a coming off a three Pete Hawthorne supporter when I have you guys to listen to. Uh, uh, listening to you guys, we're going to win this by ten goals. I'm pumped. <laughs> well, that, that was the other thing I was going to say, George. Is actually I beg to differ. I think we'll win this comfortably. Is um, I think we'll jump out. We'll look to spread early like we did against Brisbane. We'll really try to exploit the size of the ground, which we'll, we're about to talk about. Um, and I think we, we started doing that against Brisbane and we'll do it again and we'll look to make them chase and run um, and we'll be up in their grill. Um, I can see us this game going very similar to the way the Brisbane game, we get a decent lead at halftime and we hold it like we've done all season. I, I really feel that sort of confident that that's how this game's going to go all things you know take your point entirely that we do they do match up super well um and I, i've been really guilty all season of under um rating them so perhaps there's that as well uh, i just think we're you know we're like a loaded spring and um you know we've had the two weeks they've had to travel uh, they've had to go to perth they've had a tough you know a few weeks they've had that extra game they've lost Parfit now who as you say george i think i don't think people outside of geelong fans probably understand how important he is to their to their um to their game he's plan a, and how he, they play. he's a starting midfielder for them yeah, but he's arguably more important than Selwood, yeah. I, I think. Mm. Selwood's a talisman in the sense that he's super important, but his numbers have dropped off a cliff. Um, yeah, and he, you know, he got 15 possessions last week in total playing in the middle. Yeah, and in the game against us, I mean, I know we got a head knock in the round 23. There's never been more bullshit talked about a game of footy. Um, and, and he did nothing in that last quarter. So just because he couldn't, he, could, he can't, he's run out of gas. Um, I heard Malthouse say about, in the interview with Uze, he said, well, you know, how do you think you're, what happened in that last quarter when you got dominated for three quarters? Uh, Uze, who I love him, he's a super cool dude, I reckon. And he sort of quietly said, well, no, we didn't get dominated. (laughs) That's like we had periods of domination and they had a small period of domination, I think is what he said. Um, But that's what I mean. It's like this sort of revisionist, that was a bad game for Geelong. And it's viewed as, well, you know, they were up by 44 points. Uh, it's used as evidence of how close we are. And, in fact, I, I think that game reads super badly for them. But, um, you know, all that said, I think they're clever enough. And the other ace in their thing, Scott's an excellent coach. He's a tactically really smart coach. So uh, he'll he'll find some tricks to sort of limit some of our strengths, obviously. Um, and, you know, I might, of course, well be wrong and it'll be a tight tight game so we've just got to take our chances we we uh, early on in that game i think we dominated last around 23 we dominated the inside 50s early on but just 
weren't able to get those goals. And certainly, you know, we do our best in missing set shots. So we've just got to take our chances. That's that's exactly right, Andy. If we kicked those early goals, we would have been four or five goals up at quarter time in that last match and it yeah. wouldn't have been a comeback possibility. So, um, yeah, that, but that's been the story for us all season. They hit the scoreboard early, hit it straight, and the opposition can't get back to us. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that again in that round 23 game is that they were, their accuracy was insane in that game. Like mm. they were at half time, I think it was, I forget, they'd only kick four points at half time. Next week against Port, those numbers were the complete opposite and then they were down. So that, you know, I think that, that that was a bad game for them. And for all their talk about didn't matter, we were always going to go to Adelaide anyway. Well, it ended up they ran into Port and had to play an extra game on their path to play us. So. Um, uh, I think we had uh, on the next on the thing was just the, the changes that have happened since the last time we played them, but we've basically talked about uh, who's come in and who's come out. So let's move on to um, the match being played at Optus Stadium. We, we've only played there the one time this year, only a couple of weeks back uh, against the Eagles. Uh, we had a commanding lead there before the lightning struck and then they sort of came back. But uh, the Cats have played there last week against the Giants and uh, they played there around 18 against the Dockers where they had a win. We know the Cats play their narrow turf in Geelong really well. Who gets the advantage of the wide open spaces of Optus Stadium? Uh, uh, George, you said you had some stats on that, so I'll let you uh, take that first. Yeah, well, this is going to turn into a mathematical section, so <laughs> we're, we're, we're back to school now, people. Get your protractors out, uh, yep, yep, everyone. Yep. Okay, um, Optus Stadium is 165 metres by 130. Geelong is 170, so it's fractionally longer, by 116. But more importantly is the 116. Optus Stadium is 14 metres wider wow. than what uh, Geelong is, which is incredible. So now for the maths, um, the area of, a, an, of an ellipse, um, A times B times pi, gives Optus Stadium as having 67,300 square metres and Geelong 61,900 square metres. In other words, 5,300 square metres difference, or about 9%. And most of that, of course, is, is down the wings. And we talked about Geelong's game style before. It is absolutely designed around Cardinia Park, that they can afford to play that the way that they do because there's limited amount of space down the sides. Now, we can exploit that. We have. Uh, you'll see the wingers come into the game a lot more than what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, we play it brilliantly, particularly Langdon, where uh, with that extra 14 metres or you know seven metres on either side, that's that's just open space for us. We move the ball much more much more efficiently than what the, the what they do. They depend on the short kick, short kick, another short kick. So I think Optus Stadium will absolutely suit us down to a T. It's almost almost identical to the MCG. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not identical to Geelong. Ben, man, anything you want to add to, to the stadium and how we how that's advantageous to us? Oh, just that Petractor is a um, fantastic footballer, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I 100% agree with George. And 
what I was saying against in around 23 ahead of that game is that um, the smaller ground, we our comparative advantage is how brilliant our zone is and we've talked about it all season uh, and part of its brilliance is the way it moves across the ground and um, teams can't switch against us. If you if you go back to think about the Bulldogs game that we played last year, um, I can't recall where it was, Carrara, I think, um, where they just defeated us by switching to the fat side and running it down that side. That's because we had weren't fit enough and we hadn't had that zone worked out or we did in fits and spurts. This year, they are unbelievably fit uh, and they're moving across that ground uh, and you see it all the time. It happens all the time and now the commentators are repeating themselves so often. Is you know they, they look up, they go they can't go down the line because Max is there, so particularly Geelong will do this all day. They look to switch across the, the ground uh, and we're able to move across and whilst you'd sort of it's a bit counterintuitive because you'd think on a big ground like Optus, that's harder for us to do. Well, we're so good at it that it gives us a massive comparative advantage um, against other teams because when we do it, which I'm, I feel like we will do it a bit more often than we have done. I think that tactically that's something that we did a little bit against uh, Lions and I expect us to do it again. When we do it, they can't get across, one, because they haven't got the leg speed, two, because it's not simple as just getting across. You need a system where everyone knows what they're doing. Um, and so we will get, you know, um, on, offensively we'll be able to move the ball more easily than Geelong, but defensively, you know, you would see at the G, teams at the G, despite all the space, can't move it. So I 100% agree with George that um, it, it'll suit us, not them. You know, their their wins notwithstanding against Frio, they smash Frio. But um, that, you know, I just think it's... The other thing is that we've been there. We've been training on it. We've played... We went and we beat West Coast there recently. Um, uh, you know, we've been there two weeks. I think we've played on trained on it twice in the last... Since we've been in Perth. So they've allowed us to go... They were there today, I think. Um, I saw some pictures of them there, or maybe it was yesterday. Um, you know, I, I th- there's some Western Australian boys in the team. Um, so I, I think it's a perfect round for us. Um, What's the weather uh, forecast for the... For the day, it's shower or two, um, mm. partly cloudy. The chance of morning fog, um, but the um, well, we're playing uh, at night. Um, playing at night, uh, yes. Uh, after, sort of afternoon one, over there. Afternoon, yeah, five fifty or whatever. Not yeah. to one mil, so yeah. not much rain. No, shower yeah. or two. So no lightning, yeah. no lightning to disrupt the matches. No, no, no uh, thunderstorms. Um, the sort of chance of showers most likely in the evening, which is annoying because when I read it this morning, because I've been reading that all week, it was most likely in the morning. So I don't know what they're doing over there. But light winds becoming southwesterly um, and becoming light during the evening. So perfect for footy. Yeah, it's only zero to one millimetre at the very, very worst. And um, But, yeah, it's going to be a good – it's going to be perfect conditions for football. Yeah. So there was been a lot uh, said in the last few days about the uh, the demons of 2018 and our own demons, at, particularly at that ground from that preliminary final. Having a look at the two teams, the 2018 team and the 2021 team, they're vastly different uh, different out- outfits um, coming out of the 2018 side. Oscar McDonald, Sam Frost, Neville Jetta, Jordan Lewis, uh, Michael Hibbard, who still could be a chance to play, uh, Mitch Hannon, Nathan Jones, Melksham, Vandenberg, Tyson and Wiedemann. Into the team, uh, May, Lever, Bowie, Petty, Langdon, Pickett, Fritch, Brown, 
Rivers, Tom Sparrow, Luke Jackson, and then add guys like James Jordan and uh, Jaden Hunt um, potentially to come in. Um, you can't compare the two teams, and as we were talking pre-show, you can't compare the style of play that we play now to what we were playing back then. Um, yeah, the only player from that list, Andy, that I would have who would make our team now is Oscar McDonald. So, oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if you want to laugh, listen to um, uh, Viney. He's interviewed. He did the press conference. He must have drawn the short straw because he didn't look particularly thrilled about doing the press conference today. Um, and it looks like it's been done in the car park because you can hear noise in the background. And he was asked about the 2018 game, uh, and he's quote-unquote, was something like, you know, that it feels like another lifetime ago or a lifetime ago. Um, and then he was asked about it again later in the interview and he said, oh, I probably shouldn't say this, but it makes no difference to me whatsoever. <laughs> so well, half the, te- half the team is different. Half the team don't have those uh, scars, weren't even there. Um, yeah. You know, not even, let alone, weren't in the team. Well, and, I mean, as as I said, you and I were both there, Andy. It, was, it felt like it was 24. It was 30 degrees, it was boiling hot. Yeah. You know, they smashed us. We won't, it will be a pro Melbourne crowd on Friday night, yeah, as we were so. just saying, in perfect conditions, a full house, majority of whom want Melbourne to win. It's going to, it's a different energy. It's, it's, it's interesting when you went through that list, Andy, that uh, the back line, you've actually outlined a complete back line, back six apart from uh, Salem, probably. Uh, McDonald, Le- Frost, Jettard, Lewis, Hibbard. Yeah. Um, the, the ends are, yeah. the, are just imp- just as important, I think. Yeah. And then- An interesting um, historical tw- thing is that, remember, um, the controversy for Fritter came out of that side and he was playing on the halfback flank that year, wasn't he, in 2018, for Smith. Yes, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, he was actually, he. I think that was the year he played half the year or the beginning of the year in the back line, but I think by then he might have been in the forward line. I'm not too sure. I can't remember. No, actually, yep. that was the next year he came into the – yeah, he started playing forward line because I remember when I was talking with Grape Viney, we made a point of uh, once he'd come back into the team, how many marks he was taking in the forward line and yeah. why wasn't he there? Well, it was more him. indicative of our weaknesses down back. So yeah. George is mm. right about – I mean, they've gone all out to remodel the defence and partly to build this system. It's, as George has sort of said all season, it's not just the back six – it's the entire um, team, but, you know, it's the mids and the wingers it's, and that, it's, the system. It's, it's Max Gorn having a, a backup ruckman who can come in where we're not, you know, your favourite saying, George, not robbing Peter to pay Paul, which we were doing back then uh, when mm-hmm. Max needed to chop out. We've got Luke Jackson there. Um, the, the forward line's different. You know, you've got Ben Brown in the team now, Fritch in the team, Cozzy in the team. The back line is completely remodelled. So yeah, there's no way you can compare the two. Plus, Oliver and Petrarca have taken their games to a, a, another stratosphere uh, yeah. since then. So, mm. And Geelong have got this, almost the same team that they had in 20, 2018. They're just two years older now, three, three years, years older. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, ins and outs. Um, I don't know, but is 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 Jaden Hart ready? Someone in the chat room, I think, uh, alluded to the fact that they he might be ready to come back. But who comes out? Um, 
barring any last-minute mystery injury of the week. Well, there was chat on the um, the, the thread about this game um, that a I can reveal there is an injury to a player in the 22 and therefore there will be a force change. This is from Danny Z. It isn't a key player and won't change the balance greatly. So, And just, just I'll, I'll just... Yeah, well, I'll just uh, uh, we'll preface that or uh, after the fact um, that the poster, uh, according to you, B-Man, does have a history of uh, seeming to have some inside knowledge. Uh, this isn't just some random person posting yeah, something. Yeah, that's great, great mail. Yeah, and I, as, as I said before, the show is that is, my memory is doesn't post much, but I can't recall being you know any post, and it's posted for a long time actually. Um, and hasn't got much wrong. So now I wonder because we had that uh, Channel Seven uh, clickbait story a few days ago, where they at the top of the news they sort of said, "Oh, and a shock injury uh, to to a Melbourne player." Uh, all that and more uh, later in the show, and then had all of Demonland sort of having to watch the <laughs> Channel Seven news <laughs> for the entire time. Clickbait uh, successful. Um, and then it turns out they had some footage of um, of Neil Bullen walking with, uh, you know, a bit of a strapping around his calf. And, and I uh, heard tonight on Fox footy that he's fine. I, I, I Before that bit of snippet, my feeling was that there's, you know, I was thinking that Hunt wouldn't get up, but apparently he trains super well, so he's in the frame. Um, my, my thought was that they'll go in unchanged um, because, I mean, clearly if they go in with Radigalia, that's four tools. You, you need a Smith, Smith don't yeah. you? Um, so, but but the other the other option is um, radically is a big strong player. I don't know that you can bring in a Hunt or even a Smith against him. And I was wondering whether Hibbert would be a more likely option. Yeah, I just don't. I think I reckon they're just they, he's he's lost his leg speed, and it's a bit like Selwood. Yeah, but radically hasn't got any. <laughs> no, but they won't. They'll just zone off him. That's the thing. That's the risk. They bring in radically and they'll run off him all day. So I think that you know they'll they'll put a lever on him or a pet, petty on him, and Smith will go to Rowan. Why would they? And that's what they did last time. They had Smith on Rowan. My feeling is that they hunt. They'll like his pace, and they want you know he's in our best twenty-two. I reckon. So I wonder whether it's Bowie for Hunt or something like that because. Um, you know, and so I, I, I'm convinced Smith will stay in the team because, yeah, and maybe come out for the grand final if we were to win this week. But, you know, just, you know, even without Radigalia, he came in and took uh, Rowan, but he also took Cameron during that game, was on Dangerfield at different times, Smith I'm talking about. Um, so he gives them really good, tact, you know, flexibility with his athleticism. And with his speed, even if he ends up getting on Radigalia, he'll just run off him. Um, so I think he stays. Um, it's about whether they want to get Hunt back into the team, I, I suspect. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you there. I, I would be, if, if if Hunt's just getting over the line at this point, I, I would be just saying, let's wait another week. We don't need him. We've got we've got all the players that we need to uh, keep in the side. I'd be very loath to, to drop Bowie at this stage. He has done nothing wrong and his foot skills are far, far superior to someone like than Hunt. Yeah, uh, and and Smith, and I yeah. think that's critical in a in a in a game. I think um, I've said all along, and it's been repeated in this whole final series. The games come down to one or two, uh, just individual efforts, or the ability to hit a player, or not hit a player. And uh, someone like Bowie in the side has been a great positive for us down the back line. He's Salem Mark too, um, so um, 
Yeah, yeah, he is a hard thrower, though. I mean, so yeah. he, he looked a little bit nervous in the uh, in he, he found his feet, but in the yeah. um, Lions game, he, he he looked a little bit, you know, not too badly to be honest. Yeah, just for, just for the first quarter, and then yeah. after that, he came, which was a, a great sign as well that he overcome his his fear and, and or whatever it might have been, and or his nervousness, and um, came back just just strongly. So that that's yeah. a good positive. I don't think he'll exhibit that again. No, and, and I totally agree. The ability to both by hand and foot actually he makes really good decisions with these um, disposals generally. So I, I agree that so important. And we saw it in the Brisbane game, didn't we? How you know they missed three, yeah. four easy targets that ended up being a major difference between winning and losing that game in that last quarter, uh, and also in the third quarter when they didn't take their chances. Um, just in terms of selection, just sort of going back a bit to Demon Trucker's call earlier, um, I agree with him. Viney's been fantastic in the yeah. last two, three weeks. And I also agree with his um, assessment that he's been a lot more measured in his a lot really good decision-making with his kicks inside 50. Um, and part of that is he's kicking um, within his limitations. He's not trying to go long. He's, he's, he's making good decisions. I, I think, though, that just sort of his role in the team is so critical, that defensive mid. And that's, again, sort of going back to Parford and that issue that's a huge out for them because that's the role he plays is, you yeah. know, and he tackles to hurt. That's the other thing for Viney. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it makes it, it really frees up um, track and uh, Oliver to be able to get ahead of the ball and, and be more aggressive with Viney um, also in there. Yeah. The, um, I'll, I'll hark back to what I noted in that, uh, in that previous game against Geelong uh, in, in that two minute and 40 second period where they kicked four goals, Viney came off the ground for a rest. Uh, and as soon as he came back on, we got the clearances out of the centre. Um, he is absolutely critical to stop to stopping that um, Selwood Dangerfield um, free flow out of the middle uh, that enables them to get that ball into the forward line. So um, I think we need to, that, that's one thing we do need to keep an eye on is actually the rotations. But their loss of Parfit is is absolutely critical, and I think their loss of O'Connor is just as equally critical. They just haven't got anyone. Uh, next in line to be able to replace them. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly like Narkel. They've, they've shown they don't want to pick him. And so what do they do? Like, you know, they're going to have to, aren't they? Or well, I don't know whether yeah. they're going to have to, but I, I, I don't know their list well enough to think who's their, um, you know, the alternative. Uh, let's move on to um, Andy's uh, premiership predictor. My uh, ladder predictors were total busts, failures, say what you will. There are now only four possible combinations that can occur based on the games this weekend. Uh, and given my past prediction history, I don't think I should be the one making any predictions. I can tell you who I would prefer to play. And obviously, I'd prefer the Demons to win on Friday night. Uh, and I, I think I would prefer to play Port. Uh, you guys might disagree. I think you think, uh, B-Man, you think uh, the Bulldogs. For me, the Bulldogs midfield still worries me. And I don't, I, I don't know why it is that I prefer Port because I think that the Bulldogs forward line isn't as worrisome for the D's with Bruce out and I don't necessarily rate their back line either. However, there's something about the the Bulldogs, their midfield in particular, and the three extra uh, umpires in yellow um, that concern me. 
And I don't know why I don't rate or don't fear port. Uh, I don't. Uh, certainly, they're a different prospect at home, but on a neutral venue, I think they lose some of their venom. Uh, they were the team I was hoping would play in the first week of finals away from their home ground, so I don't see why that would change in my mind. Uh, they're the lesser of the three evils, and um, uh, but that doesn't mean that if we, we if we win this week and they do too, that I won't be shitting myself about playing them in the grand final. But but that's just my MFCSS kicking in. Uh, who are we playing uh, if we win? <laughs> well, I mean Port. Deserved for we're, as I said, we're a dollar fifty, which is very, very short. Uh, they're a dollar forty five to win that game, it's incredible. I can't, you know, I was trying to think back, you know, I wonder is when the last time there were um two lops such lopsided prelim finals in terms of the expectations of um who might win, um, uh, sorry, who's going to win. They, uh, I mean. I know what you're talking about. The thing about the Bulldogs, Andy, I, I, the thing about the Bulldogs that worry me is what I was saying before is that when they're on, they've got a sort of model that can obviously, you know, obviously is a good model and that they're, they're a good team, but that we don't necessarily match up that well against, um, that it's not it's not so obvious like with Geelong is like I'm saying, we're the kryptonite to the Geelong model. And I think a bit the same with Port. Having said all of that, if you know, if they happen to get through, if they happen to win this game, they've had a horror run with you know now injury. They've you know there's doubts on Bontempelli, so that's probably partly explains the dollar forty five. Um, but you know they're they're down in Tassie at the moment, so they've gone to Queensland and Tassie. They're going. They've been all over the shop. Um, you know, not that uh, you know it bothers me too much, but they're in Tassie. They fly no. Yeah, so they they sorry they were in Brisbane. They have to fly to Perth, Perth, and then and then to Adelaide, and then back to Perth. Yes, if that's they, right. If they win, in order to in case they win, so that that's exactly right. But they were in Tassie before Brisbane. Yes, yes correct. So they flew from Tassie. Uh, they played down there, did they, or did they? They played yeah, in Tassie. Yeah. They went to Stayed Brisbane. There, went to Brisbane, over to Perth to hub over there somewhere for a week into Adelaide because that's zero, like that. there's no border, then back to Perth if they win. Yeah. Um, all with, you know, having to play that extra game that because they finished fifth, um, you know. And played, like, played a tough game this, this week or they would have had to have gone. Yeah, <laughs> to, so, the whole to be honest, if we hours. win through to the final, you'd think all of that, you'd, if you had to choose, you'd probably choose them just because, God, you know, what an effort that would be to win a flag after all of that. But, you know, um, yeah, as George has said often enough, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll beat who we we play is what my feeling is. I, I just can't see the dogs getting through Um with what they've, with their injuries, they just fell against, fell over the line against Brisbane when they shouldn't have. Um, Port, Port are uh, playing at home. Um, all the travel that uh, the dogs have had to do. Uh, Bont and Pally, I suspect, uh, has been carrying an injury for a number of weeks. Uh, not just what's happened to him this round, and certainly the loss of Bruce up forward means that they're um, really lacking any. Any true forward targets, they depend on on the people like Bailey Smith and uh, those moving the ball up the ground uh, into the forward line. Um, I don't think they're going to get that opportunity against Port. They've got solid defenders. Um, I don't think they've got a counter for um, for Dixon, although Dixon's hot and cold. Um, but we'll just take whoever, whoever um, comes up against us. 
I'd be worried about the dogs if they were at their best, but they're not. Um, no. Like like Ben Man said, I think we match up uh, well against Port and the style of play that they that they uh, play. And it's, I, I think Port Adelaide's game style is something from about three or four years ago, rather than the way that we play today. Um, so. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but we've got to go over this week uh, for a start off. An interesting point of difference for us, and it's really interesting when you think about the dogs and the way Beveridge, his philosophy around the ruck, he's someone who's never really been a huge fan of the ruck from a tactical perspective, but it's really become their Achilles heel, hasn't it? Like mm. they just, for a team that was, you know, generating 60, 70% of their scoring was coming from clearances for the first three quarters of the season. They can't buy clearance at the moment. Um, and that's because they've got English and who's the other young fellow in the ruck that they're using? Uh, I think his name's Young, isn't it? Yeah, so the young, young fella. I mean, and when I say comparative advantage, is one of the interesting things about that round 23 game when I watched it again was Stanley actually had a really good game up until mm. that last quarter. Um, and um, and when Max went to work and you had him waxing with um, uh, Jackson, suddenly, you know, the, it was a whole different kettle of fish. And I wonder whether that was part of the thinking about bringing Radha Galea back in is that they need to give a decent chop out to, um, um, Stanley. to, to Stanley. So Blivar, Blick, Blick the hurdler, the 400-metre runner, um, can remain as a defender because otherwise you pull him out of the defence. Without Stewart, who's your tall defender? The other thing actually interesting, just going back to that round 23 game, is Henderson is looked all at sea at different times against Brown. So, you know, I think defensively they've got some struggles. So, yeah, I think the dogs, it's a huge weakness for them and um, the Port Rucks, um, I think, will get a hold of them. Um, is there anything else we're going to talk about? Um, uh, there was an interesting post, and, and Bin Man being a betting man, I think we need to um, uh, talk about it. Um, Sergeant Schultz in one of the uh, posts during the week wanted to find out how how we can get the following same game multi. Uh, danger to shirt front, shirt front a Melbourne player and not get reported. Selwood to accidentally target Clary's head and get away with it, and Hawkins to magically send a May off with a head injury. How do you do that, Ben Man? Uh, I can set a marker for that. It'd be pretty short, though. I think if you <laughs> threw in, uh, you'd, you'd want to throw in uh, Selwood, throw the ball fifteen times during the match and not get um, pinged for it. And you'd probably, you know, I'm I'm happy to give Sergeant Schultz five bucks for that. <laughs> if he puts a hundred bucks on it, I'll give him five. <laughs> So I've got the uh, in this. I've, I've backed Melbourne to win the flag. I've backed um, Oliver to win the Brownlow, um, and I'm tempted to put on a Norm Smith um, bet because now's the time. Whilst there's still four teams in it uh, to get some value, uh, and I can't think of it currently. Um, you can get twelves, elevens, and twelves around the, the various things for Oliver. He's got Norm Smith written all over him. In fact, I've seen his tattoo. He's got Norm Smith written all over him. <laughs> do you, do you, uh, can you, can you already bet for Norm Smith? Yeah, of course you can at the beginning of the season. Oh, but, you know, yeah. So um, I, he is a, like, you know, again, 
cart, horse, water, bridge. Um, if we make it through to a grand final, he is exactly the sort of player who um, who wins a Norm Smith. Who you know, because that's voted on by ex players, and uh, I think you know sometimes a um, footy commentator who sit up and watch the game, and unlike the umpires in the Brownlow who just see the mids in front of them, he's the sort of player they all go, "All oh, right, he's a he's a footballer." Um, you were talking about Brownlow. When actually is the Brownlow medal? Is that Monday night next week? Or oh, I is, don't know. Because they got the week. Who knows? There's the it's week off. Certainly during that week. Well, there's now a week oh, off. Oh, that's right. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, yeah. obviously we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but if we do win, how do, how do you see uh, that week off? Uh, sort of spoke about it a bit last week, but now that we've had a week off, you play then another week off. Um I don't think it's much of a problem to us um, with this no. chap called Burgess that we've got running the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're very uh, well aware of the loadings that's required or the unloadings that's required. Um, I think we'll see, as, as a few of the players have said in the um, uh, stuff that's been coming from the club during the week, uh, we're well prepared, we're fit, we're ready, we're uninjured. Um, As you said, George, we have we'll have options of where we want to stay. We'll be able to stay yeah. wherever. They yeah. can go to Kalgoorlie if they want to go to if we happen to win this week. So you know they'll be out. Unlike say the dog, I think Port Adelaide fly in for the grand final. If the yeah. dogs win it, they have to come across and find somewhere to stay. Presumably they'll stay because Geelong are um, hubbing in another hotel set up somewhere else in Perth, um, and presumably they'd swap with if we win they the dogs had swapped with with Geelong, but then we can shoot. We can go play golf at Jindal. We can say Jindal yeah. up, and the fences will come down. And we can play golf or whatever. So, um, I, I would assume that there's been a bit of talk about that buy and the impact. But you know, as you say, George, like Burgess is a gun, and so he's you know he's worked in elite sport with Liverpool, um, where they're moving and travelling and doing all of those things all of the time better to be able to have a full fit list of players and engineer and get, you know, they did apparently a full training um, uh, match on the Friday with two 20-minute quarters, which was pretty intense, and then the loading to simulate a match day experience to get that week right and get their loads but also the get their rhythm of the week right. Um, he'll do something similar. Better to have that than to be the dogs flying all over the shop and, and not being able to man- manage it. So, you know, being out of your control. So, uh, you know, I, I totally agree. I think that's where Burgess will earn his, his money should we be lucky enough to, to get to that stage. I really hope someone's taking notes about everything that uh, he does, um, considering when he's not going to be around at the D's next year. Well, yeah, hopefully then. The only final, just the final thing for me, Andy, was the uh, in terms of these last four game or these last two games, it's pretty remarkable. It's the the teams that were um, for all of the up and down of this year and all of the sort of discussion about the unfairness and this, it, it's not an equitable, um, which I agree with. You know, at the end of the day, the four best teams are playing in the prelim. Uh, again, so um, and you know it's really interesting in terms of that round. That was round twenty three is being played again, isn't it? Yep. So mm. the four so teams I, who played in round twenty three are playing three, you know, three weeks later, which is incredible. Um, and just the other thing, just in terms of your your sort of discussion, Andy, at the top about you know your feel our feeling about missing the game, and um, I just wanted to to thank you and all of the moderators for Demonland and. Um, 
you know, for all the work that you do and for, you know, for Nasha, for George and for, as I say, for all the moderators, Whispering Jack, everyone uh, who puts all that time and effort into it because I think for me, Demon Land's been a huge, you know, buffer against that sense of, of loss of not being able to see the Ds at the G. So, yeah, so um, kudos and, and big ups for, for all of that. No, our, our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all the contributors uh, because uh, without uh, without the people contributing, um, you know, there is no Demon Land. So thank you. Uh, and thank you to our listeners. Thank you, George. Thank you, Bin Man. Thank you, Terence. Thank you, Demon Trucker, uh, for calling in. Um, not so angry anymore. No, he's not so angry. Uh, he has made me angry in the past, but uh, <laughs> we'll let bygones be bygones and um, keep trucking along. All right, uh, look, we will be back next week. I'm not sure if the Brownlow is on Monday night, then I guess uh, we'll do this on a Tuesday night. Uh, win or lose, uh, don't like the, the losses, but if we lose, we've got to front up and uh, discuss it. Uh, but hopefully we win and have an exciting couple of weeks uh, ahead of us. Uh, one week at a time, though. Go Demons. Go Red Legs. Come on, demons.